This is C-SPAN's The Weekly. I'm Steve Scully in Manchester, New Hampshire. Joined here with Jack Heath, longtime political reporter, news director, radio talk show host, and a real expert on New Hampshire politics. Let me begin with what you're feeling, what you're seeing in advance of Tuesday's primary. There's definitely a formation that's happening, um, and despite the Iowa chaos, and I don't know if they're still counting, pun intended, New Hampshire votes, by the way, and your, your, your listeners should know that. We have a secretary of state, not a political party. This is a real primary Tuesday, Tuesday night. We'll know the results. They will be real. We know how to count. We do politics right here. But my point is, ironically, some of the results out of the belated Iowa caucuses are, are, are going to be similar here. I see Bernie winning New Hampshire. I think Pete, Mayor Pete's got a real momentum. Uh, he's popular here. Independents can vote in the Democratic primary. He's going to resonate well with them. He's got some energy, and, uh, and it's a younger type of voter or maybe millennial, but he's got energy. Amy Klobuchar is doing better here than people realize. And Elizabeth Warren has to do well here. She's from Massachusetts. She had run here hard before she kind of shifted her army, if you will, to Iowa. So that, 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 finish, that finish of... Sanders, Buttigieg in Iowa, Warren and Biden fourth. As Biden said in New Hampshire yesterday, he got a gut punch. I think he's going to get another gut punch. What I'm feeling, Steve, and always great to be with you because you're, you've been up here and you know this stuff too. What I'm feeling, though, anecdotally and listening to the Biden people who on my morning uh, news talk show are already saying that Bernie's going to win Tuesday. This Thursday morning, going into the primary, top person in New Hampshire, Bernie's going to win. Biden's person. Bernie's going to win Tuesday. That's not a very confident football coach. He's already saying they're not going to win. Biden's got traditional support here. He's got the spouse of U.S. Senior Senator Gene Shaheen. The former four-term Democratic Governor John Lynch is with Biden. But I'm seeing almost what we saw last time. Endorsements, establishments behind Hillary last time, a surging Bernie. Bernie's people are fired up. They're livid. They feel this thing is getting snatched away from them again. So Bernie probably is going to win Tuesday. I think he's in that number one spot. Right, Mayor Pete's right there. Mayor Pete could win New Hampshire. That's another big story the national media is missing. So it could mimic Iowa. Okay, Elizabeth Warren. I think her people are going to support her and not go over to Joe Biden with a pragmatic vote. And Amy Klobuchar. There's a chance Joe Biden could come in fourth or fifth in New Hampshire. That's a tough story to spin. We've been here just a couple of days, but just driving around from Manchester to Nashua to Concord, we're seeing a lot of Mayor Pete signs. I know that's anecdotal, but you're seeing that grassroots effort just in this part of the state. Explain the rest of New Hampshire. It's, it's, it's what you're seeing. You're picking up on something that Neil Ovec, a good friend of yours and mine, who runs the Institute of Politics here at St. Anselm College, has been saying for the last two or three weeks. He thinks up until this week, he was, pretty, he was saying Mayor Pete was going to be the surprise here. So those signs you're seeing, he's resonated here. He's gone to the homes. He's retail politics. He's resonated well. Mayor Pete's support is real. Sanders is real. I'll give you an example, Steve. We live in the seacoast now. A few Sundays ago, when I saw empty other political campaign shops, I heard people singing, like doing like a Sunday. I thought it was like a local gospel church group. It was just Bernie leaf droplet people singing the morning Bernie chant. Bernie's got the support here. Mayor Pete's got it. Amy Klobuchar's climbing. So all those momentum things are real. Warren's trying to hold on. And then there's Joe Biden. Where's the energy? Where's the grassroots primary activism with Joe, Joe Biden? And what I've seen over and over in New Hampshire, sitting with presidents, doing the interviews, sitting with the candidates who wanted to be president, 
When you have a message and you inspire a base, you do well in these early contests. When your message is, I'm so-and-so, it's my time, my turn, doesn't really fire the people up in the local contest. I point to Hillary Clinton last time. I sat here four years ago before the primary. National media was telling me Hillary's got it in the bag. I said, no, Bernie's got it. He's getting ten to 15,000 people at a rally. And then they said, well, Kasich has it, right? Jeb Bush, because last time was a crowd of Republicans. I said, no, Trump. They're around the block whenever he comes up. He, these rallies, they, they, they. what happened? Bernie by 22 over Hillary last time in New Hampshire. Trump by 16 over Kasich. This time around, Bernie could win this thing by 9 or 10 points in a crowded field. Mayor Pete could be right there underneath him. Elizabeth Warren, you know, mid-upper mid teens. Klobuchar, at least 12 to 14. So if you do the numbers, where's Joe Biden? Where's his energy? Good guy, affable person. Certainly people know him here. He's been here a lot. In fact, I covered it as a reporter early on. When he dropped out of the race over some plagiarism concerns, he's known to New Hampshire. The Democrats know him, but that's not where the energy is. But this is his third bid for the Democratic nomination. Has he, has his campaign learned the mistakes of his previous runs? I don't know if the previous runs matter per se. What I mean by that is they're probably looking at the times. And, you know, we just had the Super Bowl, and not to bring up football. Niners probably could have won that. You don't sit on a lead. Hillary Clinton probably could have won uh, the Electoral College 2016. Didn't go to those states. Thought they had a lead. I think Joe Biden came into this honestly thinking top three in Iowa, top three in New Hampshire, win South Carolina, and never look back. Fourth place in Iowa, even with the chaos and the delay. If he doesn't come into the top two or three here in New Hampshire, people like you are going to be doing other interviews downstream. What's wrong with Biden's campaign? But let's look at the money. Bernie Sanders comes into New Hampshire a few days out reporting $25 million raised in January. What is Joe Biden raising? Again, where's the energy? Where's, the, where's that inspiration thing? And when you're just Joe Biden, the tested one, and you want to restore some civility, and you're the one that can beat Trump in a general, you've got to win the primary. And in New Hampshire, where there's energy, New Hampshire always likes to send a surprise. The surprise here could be Klobuchar somewhat. It could be Mayor Pete. Could be Warren stays alive. Bernie wins. Why the Bernie mania? He is in his late 70s, and yet you look at the young people. He has 40% of the Democratic support of those under the age of 25. Because they see the real deal. Authenticity. I remember being in a Seacoast fish market four years ago. The workers, the kids working there were just like you described. They're younger one of the networks was up on the flat screen in the fish market. Is Bernie, they're staring at him in New Hampshire four years ago. I go, you like him? Why? I just something about him. He's real. Trump, like him or not, something about him. He's real. And he's got a message. Now, Bernie can't tell you how he's going to make these programs work, but he's been singing the same song his entire career. It's like a band that you love. And that one song they play all the time. Bernie plays it for real. When the Democrats tried to be Bernie, it didn't work. He's authentic. He's disheveled. It has nothing to do with being from Vermont, by the way. The, the party in New Hampshire on the Democratic side is further left than people want to tell you. It's really progressive. The New Hampshire plank of Democratic activism is on the left. That's where Bernie plays. He did well last time. Not much of that support has wavered. And when it did a little bit, they've come back because now they feel this thing's being snatched away again from Bernie and he's the real deal. Donald Trump. 
comes in. It's going to have probably Monday, Monday night, the rally here. will New Hampshire's probably never seen the type of rally that they're going to see here Monday night. Coming out of the acquittal votes, uh, the State of the Union, all that. Trump's coming in fired up. They're going to have more. Here's a prediction. There's going to be more people outside standing. It was like when the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and they took the cutaway. You saw all these people outside watching more than at the stadium in Miami. There are going to be more people outside the Southern New Hampshire University Arena Monday night than there will be inside. Trump thing is real. Bernie thing is real. The rest of the Democrats have gotten their support. The people like Mayor Pete, the independents and Democrats, Klobuchar, we're as well here to the same group. Bernie's real. Elizabeth Warren, why hasn't she resonated? She's from Mass. There's more people in southern New Hampshire who have moved here from Mass. It's that authenticity thing, that likability thing that Hillary dealt with. Clinton in the, four years ago. Bernie, like him or not, he's kind of a likable, fired up guy. Trump, like him or not, you know what he is. He's authentic. That's what I think is going on. And that rally we will be carrying Monday night just across from where we're situated here in Manchester, New Hampshire. Let me ask you about Senator Warren, because when she had to kind of backtrack on Medicare for all and say that it would be phased in, how damaging was that to her campaign, a campaign that was really built on changing health care for everyone? I think there were three or four things Peaked too early, that moment, Steve. The little debate exchange on the last one where she went up and it got picked up, I think it didn't really, I, even though it was awkward for both of them, I think that didn't help her. She um, said you called me a liar to Bernie right, Sanders. Right, to Bernie Sanders. And it just was kind of like that, that abrasive, not a genuine thing. Um, and, and the other thing is there's just enough doubt about Elizabeth Warren here and there's one other thing that no one in the national media will share with you, but I'm going to share it. And I've seen this mistake be made earlier. And you mentioned the Biden people. What are they looking at? My morning show, the last time Joe Biden was up, they've tried to limit his availability to local, local media. In other words, don't throw him out there for the interviews because I don't think they want him to make a misstep or a misspeak. I got a 14-minute interview with him. I'm the only one that asked him about Hunter Biden in the Ukraine. And he gave me an answer. It probably should have been picked up nationally when he said, I, I said to him, I sure as hell hope you know what you're doing in this role. My point is, Biden was Biden with me. They've tried to manage him. Getting back to Elizabeth Warren, to my knowledge, she has done very little local media interviews. She hasn't opened herself up to the questions of the local, local radio, newspapers, these people, TV that covers. She's done some MUR stuff. Not a lot, though. Hillary Clinton did the same thing four years ago, and it cost her. They overpackaged her. They protected her. The events were limited, invite only. She didn't do the full local media things. She just came and went. Elizabeth Warren has tried to do that style. When you run in New Hampshire, you have to spoil yourself open. You have to be who you are. You have to be real. And you have to make yourself accessible to any local reporter. If you're in the western part of the state, Lakes Region, Seacoast, talk to the media. They want to cover you. It's these candidates that come in handcuffed, It doesn't work in New Hampshire. It backfires. Let me remind our listeners that we are talking with Jack Heath, former news director at WMUR, which is the ABC affiliate here in Manchester, New Hampshire. And we first met in the early 1990s. And I remember calling you up and saying, hey, Jack, you have the candidates for a debate. Can we simulcast it live on C-SPAN? Now the debates are on CNN, ABC, MSNBC. Uh, I guess that was a more romantic time in terms of politics, uh, more quaint for us and for you guys. Well, number one, they should be on still with you. Um, you know, I, I just, you and I were building something. I was building up WMUR-TV at the time. C-SPAN was growing. 
Uh, C-SPAN's got a great spot and a great hold with the people that really want the information. There should be more of it. I didn't play by any rules. There was no rule book. Steve Scully calls from C-SPAN. They're going to pick it up. What a great objective partner to put out what we were doing here. I think some of the national media and the national parties have tried to overmuscle these debates and these early process. I used to, t- I remember arguing, and I think you are supporting me in this. I guess I'll say it now. The late former political director of CNN was trying to tell us who would not be in our debate. He wanted to limit the field. And I checked with the Secretary of State's office on who they viewed and what criteria they viewed a credible, organized, funded candidate who was playing by the rules, organized offices and all that. And I went with a list, and let's just say it was eight or nine they wanted four. I told him, get the hell out of my office. And he was like, we're CNN. I go, I don't give a crap who you are. I go, we're WMUR. We're the ones with the show. You lost. And I think I called you or ABC. I mean, that's how we did it. I, right. You got to let the process play out. This over-manipulation, over-muscling. And by the way, it's turning off voters. That's why these polls in the national media has taken a hit. You haven't. They have. Look at the questions they ask sometimes in these debates. Not to sound like a former NHL hockey player talking about how we used to do it, but we asked about immigration. We asked about the deficit. We asked about foreign policy. The first question was, why did you tweet this about her or him? They wanted the fight last time they got it. Everyone wants to blame Trump for what... He just took advantage of a situation. The national networks are only interested in ratings and the revenue piece. And I get that. I care about sponsors of my morning radio show. I care about ratings. But you know what? You've got to let the game play. And they try to make themselves too much a part of that game. And that's why some of these national people, gone are the days of Tim Russert, gone are the days of the Brit Humes when, you know, I know he's still with Fox. You have not changed your credit. And you still look relatively young, Steve. My point is, just let these, these are the athletes, let them play the game. Let the candidates do their thing. You're, unless you want to put your name on a ballot, shut up, ask the questions, let the early process play out. That's the beauty of New Hampshire's primary. That's why some people have done it well, some people haven't. Tuesday, once again, New Hampshire's going to matter more than ever. And with the DNC setting the criteria and now changing the rules to allow a Michael Bloomberg to participate in the Nevada debate, when you talk to political activists and voters here in New Hampshire, does that resonate? Does that get any reaction? No, not really. I mean, they're not really paying that much attention. I think this past week when CNN did a bunch of town halls and Tulsi Gabbard, by the way, someone who we haven't mentioned, she's worked very hard here. She's a very articulate candidate. She served in the military. She knows more names of leaders in Syria than probably the current president and every Democrat combined. And she's got numbers here. They just did these town hall events. Why wasn't she one of those she's featured? Why was Deval Patrick, who I like a lot, he's been on my show a ton, former Massachusetts governor, got in late, is not resonating. She's resonating in the polls. Why did they subjectively not do a CNN town hall with Tulsi Gabbard? Can you answer that? Before New Hampshire? I can't. And I empathize with her. It's muscling the process because someone got a call or an email of someone, of some, the national media sometimes, and I'm not trying to sound like President Trump here, They are their own worst enemy in this stuff. And it did not used to be that way. Let's talk about the demographics of the Granite State. It used to be a rock-solid Republican conservative state. It is now very much a purple state, leaning Democrat with your congressional delegation. What's changed? I would actually say it's not as purple as you're saying. I'd say it's more Democrat. Uh, New Hampshire's changed dramatically. The biggest block of voters here here are independent. They skew left. What's, what's really changed is New Hampshire's population in the southern tier has grown. 
and people from states that are largely Democrat are moved in. Massachusetts, being, the biggest thing is, I said on my show earlier once, I think I had uh, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker on, Governor Chris Sununa from New Hampshire, Republican, very popular here. But it's almost like New Hampshire's become Massachusetts in politics. They have that governor who's likable, Democrat legislature, Democrat federal delegation now. So New Hampshire's a little more blue than you give it credit for. It's because of the migration of new residents who kind of brought their politics with them. Um, New Hampshire used to be less populated in the southern tier. Communities like Londonderry, Derry, big voting communities, just basically transplants. I'm not blaming them. It's just a reality of the changing demographics of the state. And, um, but independent voters are the largest block in New Hampshire. They decide New Hampshire elections. They'll have a big role in this primary because they can vote Democrat and go back in the general and they tend to vote more pocketbook and wallet. That's why we've had some Republican representation in the state house, like in the Senate president or, or uh, governor. But this last election, Governor Chris Sununu, the Republican, was the only Republican standing. Why was that? Democrat numbers. The Democrat Party here is better organized than the Republican Party. They're very good at raising money. They have a full-time state director who gets paid a very nice salary because they're running like a business the way the Republicans should. The Republican state party has not been as organized. They've not raised the money. So if you're a Republican candidate and you become a nominee of a congressional race, you're on your own. You're a Democrat candidate. You become a nominee. You have an army behind you. We are talking with Jack Heath. For those who want to follow you on social media or on radio, how can they do so? Easiest thing is my show's picked up and it's, uh, it's syndicated, but here in New England, iHeartRadio, my name. Uh, New Hampshire Today, or just my name, iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio, the app. I'm on a number of AM and FM stations now, so it's a network of stations. You from are Maine over to uh, Mass and over to the seacoast and western part. So, where's home originally for you? North of Boston, uh, Marblehead, Swampscott, Massachusetts, and uh, went to college in Vermont. Guess who the mayor when I went to University of Vermont was? Bernie Sanders. He was the mayor. I'm not kidding. He really was. Has not changed, by the way. It's funny. Everyone thinks he's not a politician. He's been in politics his whole life. Then um, I went back home, but my first TV job was Maine, moved to New Hampshire, haven't left. When the returns come in Tuesday night, give our listeners a sense of what they should look for in terms of locations, cities, uh, turnout, and the rest. Turnout will be very high, percentage-wise. New Hampshire has a very high precip- uh, participation rate. But the areas to watch are uh, the Manchester results, um, the towns around Manchester, that's the most popular part of the state, I'm not going to expect the listeners to remember, but Rockingham County towards the seacoast, uh, that will be important. Uh, and, then, and then all the towns add up. But we will know fairly early, I think, I think well before 10 p.m. Um, we have a pretty good efficient system here. Again, the state, Secretary of State's office is very good at this. Uh, these, these voting, uh, the, the process is pretty pure. So I think by 10 we should know. And, and I just think the greater Manchester area conquer to a point. Once those numbers come in, you'll, you'll see a trend. But if it's tight between a few, you could see, well, clearly, and I'm being hypothetical, clearly Bernie Sanders is going to win this, but there's a tight race between Buttigieg, Klobuchar, and Warren. That could happen. As you know, every four years, the debate is, why is New Hampshire first? And I'm wondering if because of what happened in Iowa, that has accentuated that uh, maybe we need to rethink this whole process. You mentioned the Secretary of State, Bill Gardner, who would have a primary on Christmas Eve to make it first in the nation. Yeah. But what about the debate that we see and the developments from Iowa this past week? They, they don't help 
New Hampshire's place in this process. And it's too bad because it's not New Hampshire's doing. But the Boston Globe, towards the end of this past week, uh, before primary, did an editorial on what the Iowa caucuses showed is maybe nationally we should rethink Iowa and New Hampshire going first as these small, quote-unquote, states in the process. And this is a local paper that, from well, a neighboring state. Yes, it's a local paper that doesn't know it's, you know what, it's from its elbow in New Hampshire anymore and has very little influence here. But yes, it is a Boston entity that has probably gone down uh, in uh, uh, subscribers more than uh, maybe a boat that doesn't float well enough. But my point is they don't really have, and, and unfortunately the New Hampshire Union leader used to be, a, that's, you know, people are just getting their information differently. But your point or your question is, should New Hampshire remain first? Will it? I think it depends who the next president is um, and the parties. And if they feel New Hampshire serves a purpose, there's a chance Iowa could be minimized and New Hampshire holds. But the pressure to take this away has been, Steve, uh, there every time. And fortunately, New Hampshire plays a very vital role. It has helped the next president. It has helped make and break presidential candidates. I'll give you one quick one of why New Hampshire should matter. Last time, I'm interviewing all the candidates. I did the first televised 14 of them up there, Republicans. Several of them, including Hillary Clinton, were not aware of the opioid crisis per capita that we had here. They weren't aware of some of the issues that really influenced them as they became national candidates. They heard people saying, you know, my niece got addicted to this. My, uh, the opi- they didn't realize what was going on in Ohio and New Hampshire. Secondly is they, 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 have to get, they have to meet voters. If New Hampshire is taken away, it's nothing but a media buy. What Bloomberg is doing, whoever has the most media... It's advertising, radio, web ads, Tom Steyer. Every time you go on your Facebook pages, it's Tom Steyer. Free country, they're leveraging the media of today, but it's all bought. It's no human high. I'm Steve Scully. I'm running for governor. This is why I'm running. And you have to sit in front of 10 people in a room and tell them and answer questions. All that goes away if New Hampshire goes away. And it's a clustered marketing media process. And we will basically be allowing commercials to elect our next president, not issues, not voters. Jack Keith, to that point, do you remember your first primary back in the late 80s here in New Hampshire? Yeah, lady, uh, 88, I believe. What was that like? It was wild. I mean, I was a young pup, TV guy. Uh, my biggest memories have to be William Jefferson Clinton, Bill Clinton. Got to know him as a, covering him and watched him. We had the late Paul Songus in neighboring Mass. I think, to see how good my memory is, Harkin, Bob Carey, Nebraska, Jerry Brown, California. And here's this guy named Bill Clinton just hammering away. In fact, near the end, when it was pretty clear Songus was going to win, Bill Clinton came down with walking pneumonia. I mean, he was really sick. And I remember him coming into the newsroom with his overcoat, gray wool coat or overcoat on. And he liked cigars. Um, and he had a little something that might have been, you might not have bought the liquid in a a drugstore might have helped the throat, and he was really working hard, talking about jobs, incredible politician. And I remember saying to him, um, why are you even running? You know, you're in fourth or fifth place. This is near the... He laughed. He goes, well, the pretty good job odds. Think about it. There's only four or five of us. One of us might be president. I mean, that's how Clinton was and is. But when he came in second, he didn't win New Hampshire. I, I was in the second floor of the WMUR building, TV, the only commercial station, he was there a lot. He almost would live there when he came in. I see him in the hallway in the morning after the primary. I basically slept at the station. He came in second out of a crowded field. And I said, hey, Governor, thanks for good luck. You didn't quite win this thing. And he goes, and he stopped me. He goes, oh, no, I did win. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I came in second. 
I am the comeback kid. The country will think I ran and won because I'm national and Songus isn't. And they gave me Secret Service protection this morning, Jack. I am going to win this thing. And I won it here. So he took the second place finish into a first. I'll never forget that moment. I have Secret Service protection. I'm going to win. I am positioned perfectly. Now, he didn't count on a recession. He didn't count on some things per But he ended up, and that was New Hampshire. It made him. He loves New Hampshire because of that. It made him. Not so kind at some points to Hillary, not so kind at other times. And he gave access to you over the years as president, correct? Yeah, yeah, as Trump has. You know what? You treat people fairly. You don't have an agenda. You're not out to screw them over. It's amazing they respect you. Uh, and Bill Clinton always enjoyed the interviews. So one of the first invites was, he'd been down there a few months. We did the Oval Office interview. 30 minutes, his mother had just passed. I remember it was like yesterday. He came out of the room. He said, I think his mother is Pat. He goes, Dan, Dan Jansen won the gold. He goes, kind of a mixed day. Did the interview. They did two more with him. Um, it allowed him to talk about the issues. He said, you know, I like that because you asked me questions about the issues. And Trump's been the same way. Um, I've done probably more than any local person. Um, and I ask him questions. And he's laid back and he's calm because he knows my goal is not to screw him over. It's not my goal. I put my name on a ballot. I ask him questions about the issues. doesn't mean you're giving him softballs, but ask him questions. And I've done that with all, I'm the only conservative on-air radio person, a little plug here, regionally on a number of stations, with a Democratic sidekick producer in a Democratic state that has Democrats on my show every week because I don't yell and scream. And they know this credibility in a big audience. So that's what's missing in everything we do, Steve, and you do it better than anyone, and you're, you epitomize this. We need more Steve Scullies, and I mean that sincerely, because people are like families. You should be able to have a civil discussion without swearing and throwing a plate across the room. And as an on-air guy, I was always like that with Clinton. I was like that with Bob Dole, John McCain, and, I, and I've always been like that. They're running, ask questions. Tim Russert was the last good guy standing in that. And they will respect you and they'll be on with you. And it's not about you. You're the person in the middle. And yet our politics, as you well know, is so polarizing. And a lot of people point to the president for that. He just took advantage I had the good extent, a good opportunity last summer, I'll say this briefly, to attend the U.S. Army War College, and congrats to your daughter, by the way, getting out of the Naval Academy, I hear. Uh, I heard about that's awesome. I do a lot for veterans. But at the War College this summer, as a civilian in the National Security Seminar in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, professor from Harvard with the last name of Friedman, spoke to the colonels in the military, and he said, don't dislike or despise Donald Trump. He took advantage of populism, and a growing feeling that in a number of states with bigger urban power going to New York and California, New Jersey, California, there are a lot of flyover states of people who matter. We have this little thing called the Electoral College. Trump saw it. Bill Clinton, my understanding, had told Hillary Clinton in her campaign, you've got to get to Pennsylvania. You've got to get to Michigan. You've got to get to Ohio. They felt they had the lead. Where did Trump go? So he took advantage of something that's been wrong and you can't say he's wrong. And I'm not saying I'm a Trump person at all. In fact, I thought Rubio was a pretty sharp Republican candidate last time. The national media has had too much of an agenda. I saw it as a local news guy. They had an agenda. They had some bias in there. The editors, producers, the big wig, they don't want to admit it, but they did. You know, going back to Bradley, if you want to go way back to the Washington Post, they had an agenda. Trump took advantage of that. He took on the media, took on the Republican Party, took on Washington. He hit a nerve. And that populism, as they told us at the War College, is still alive in this election, and a lot of people are missing it. Bernie Sanders, ironically, is a populist. 
you may not think it because he has more socialist type things, but he's a populist. He's taking advantage of changing something. Change Wall Street, change Washington, Trump, change, drain the swamp. That is still alive. The divisiveness, Trump likes to fight. He took advantage of it, yes. Is he the reason for it? No. You will talk with him on Monday. Have you thought about your first question? Yeah, I want to ask him, why is Bernie there again? Um, can, he, can he win a national election? How do you beat him? Um, what do you think of Mayor Pete? He hasn't talked much about him. He could be your challenger. Do you ever think of that? What is it? They are those kinds of things. I mean, the other stuff is obvious. He's going to talk at the end of this week about post-acquittal. I could pretty much write that. You know, Steve, the challenge the Democrats are going to have, and I said this to one of his senior advisors who's on my show quite a bit, Tony Syag. You probably know Tony. Oh, absolutely. You don't have to be a speechwriter. Trump, Monday night in New Hampshire, and these rallies he's going to have. It starts off with, before I even got in there, they were bugging my tower. They were talking impeachment before I was elected. Let's go back, he can say. I wasn't going to be the nominee. We were going to have riots in Cleveland. I wasn't going to be ratified in the Electoral College. I was going to be impeached. Two years of Mueller. House impeachment. Senate. I'm standing. I'm acquitted. I'm okay. We're standing. The economy. Lowest unemployment. America's standing. And you know by then the collapse, the ovation is going to be there. What's the Democratic speech? Bernie Sanders had it right months ago. If they continue obsessing of trying to take Trump down and not what are their ideas, how do we lower health care costs? How do we lower prescription drugs? You know, Steve, for the past several months, and again, national media misses this, I had all the Democrats on my show week after week over the last several weeks. They'd call in or come in. And I asked them all to a point, when you go out in New Hampshire, when you go to these sandwich shops, when you go to these events, is anyone asking you about impeachment? No, Jack. Funny you should ask, whether it was Cory Booker, Klobuchar. What are they asking you? How do I lower my prescription drug cost? How do I lower my health care cost? Caught money. That's what they were asking. Why, why is everyone missing that? That's what a voters want to hear. How, why does my insulin medication cost $600 when I can go to Canada and buy it and stay in a hotel and come back and get that and still have $400 in my pocket. They want these things addressed. This obsession with Donald Trump plays right into his hand. He likes to fight. The more obsessed they are with getting Trump out with nine months to go, the more he's going to be in for four years. I don't know why they don't get it. It's like a big trap. It's, it's almost humorous to me. And the only one who gets it probably is Bernie, ironically. He gets it. He doesn't sit there and he's talking about his issues. So bottom line, the story out of New Hampshire for the Democrats, you think, I'm not going to ask you who's going to win, although you said you thought Bernie Sanders would win, but what's the story from New Hampshire? The <laughs> story is there's going to be a race. It's not going to be over quickly. Do you remember how quickly it wrapped up after Trump won New Hampshire and he kind of steamrolled it? That's what the, na- they didn't like it four years ago, the Republican national powers to be that it was going to be Trump, but they swallowed the pill. Democrats are going to have to swallow a pill, and it may come in the form of Bernie Sanders because that's the inconvenient truth. That's where the energy is. That's where the ideas are. If Biden doesn't come into the top three in New Hampshire and he falters, the story could be protracted race. Now, Steve, the last thing, and I'm just lucid, so it's always good to see you, and thanks for having me on. It's fun, but one other thing I've noticed. Really, really wealthy people, 
like Michael Bloomberg, who's originally from Massachusetts. He's a very wealthy guy, by the way. He's what you call really rich. $55 billion. You know what's funny about really, really wealthy people? They don't like losing or blowing their money. I've been sitting here watching so many of these. What did he see? Why did he run so late? He's a smart guy. He doesn't like to pee away his money. What he saw is exactly what's unfolding. The guy who might have won in Iowa this past week was Bloomberg. Because if this race goes beyond New Hampshire and it's four, five, or three, he's laughing all the way to a point where he can, he can go to these other states with a lot of money and maybe Steyer and be there. He's hoping for that. No one runs away with it. He only ran because he is one simple bet. And I haven't interviewed him yet. I'm getting close, but I'm going to ask him this. When you were on that bus, plane, or room, was your thinking, Joe Biden is not going to wrap this thing up right away. And as that goes on, he may not win. Therefore, it's up in the air. And I guarantee he's going to have to say yes. Jack Heath heard on iHeartRadio, former reporter, news director at WMUR here in Manchester, New Hampshire, radio talk show host, and an expert on New Hampshire politics. We thank you for being with us. Always fun to be with you. And a reminder, you can listen to this podcast on the free C-SPAN Radio app or wherever you download your favorite podcast. We thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcasts at c-span.org.